podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the uh, Five Year Plan Podcast. Hooray! It's the first podcast after Palace of Brook beating Brighton 1 0. So it's going to be a good one. Um, it's pod 2. No, it's not. It's pod 324. Oh. And, <laughs> and Kevin Hayes here. Hello. Uh, Andy Street is here. Hello. How are you? Is it another quiz? I was told it was another quiz. Uh, yeah, about Stuart O'Keefe. Somebody may have looked Look, at I'm not, I'm somebody not, may have I'm not taking that from someone who, who remembered one member of the 1997 <laughs> playoff winning team. You got four out of what ten. What was it specialist? about comics in the 90s that Europe's made them lose all memory? <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows? You, you talk about nothing else but Stuart O'Keefe in the Portsons. When it comes to talking about him on the pod, nothing. Didn't even know well done, you've revealed that I'm all hot air. Even I knew where he was born. <laughs> Yeah, Suffolk. which you said at the time, yeah. actually. So, um, the only thing I can remember because I googled him that afternoon. Which more research than he did. Jesus. And Jesse Boyce is here. Hey. Good evening, Jesse Boyce, creator of the world's best hashtag slash derby name, which has gone viral. Uh, El Gatwicko. Yes, it would have been on Match of the Day, but uh, BT Sport used it earlier. So is that why? Uh, yes, why? So, oh. and how did they get? A, did they get a hold of it? I don't know. I know Julian Chenery sent it to a lot of people. But they just they follow, well, they have people. All the sports companies have people who follow social media. So, so they were they were looking at. Oh, I guess our yeah. Twitter account. Yeah, so there you go. Well, well you're welcome. Jesse, but congratulations, Jesse, because that's well, it got a few haters out of it, so that's a sign of success, really. Yeah, but all yeah. the right people. Yeah. <laughs> so that 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 was what pleased me most. I think there was some debate about whether to include the K for amongst some people. Yeah. Just see, mm. really, yeah. people are debating that already. Basically, yeah, of course. <laughs> social media. Welcome to the world of social media. Uh, speaking of which, I've got a new stat. This is going to trump Jesse's El Gatwicko. Okay. Unless you read the Sunday Times, in which case you already know. So we are. Palace became the first ever Premier League club to win a game on February the 29th. Really? Yeah. That, and that is good. First ever leap year. Uh, Premier League programme we won the first game and it will probably stand for well at least four years well, so. no, well I'm pretty it, sure it'll stand forever that's going to stand forever to do something until the next first team to win on the 29th yeah. I meant so, yeah, even, yeah, if, even if the team played at half 11 in the morning they would still be four years after us true yeah, very so it's always going to stand good. that one pretty well, much yeah it will good well we should be very proud of that yeah. um, <laughs> I don't even feel like I was being pedantic for once <laughs> um, listen before we go anywhere with this pod and dive into the game or any admin. Kevin, it is now 10 games. Yes. 
until the end of the season, Ooh, which yeah. can mean only one thing. Yes, it's done. It's there. And I've already seen it. Have you? It have sounds you? very dodgy, doesn't it? Lying about. That's... You left it lying around on the table. Oh. I've already taken a photo. Have you? Yeah. Oh. Dangerous. Yeah. Your famous bit of paper. Well, yeah, the 10 games to go bit of paper with all the fixtures from... First time I've ever done it when we're the first team uh, in the top left side of the bit of paper. Because I do it, I just I go from the team, <coughs> yeah, you know, certainly the teams that I think are in chance of going down. So we're the first, normally we're about three or four teams down the bit of paper. But So when did you write? Was this after the Brighton game? Uh, I did it this afternoon, actually. I thought I'd give myself a couple of days to clear up the hangover and just do it. <laughs> but also to be less of a sense of urgency than normal as well. Because yeah. normally, I, despite the fact the street, he looks at me and goes... There's a 0.7% on the Optus Sky Less than 1% share. chance. Of yeah. yeah. Disappointingly yeah. safe. Yeah. yeah. But so I, it, there was a less of a sense of urgency. But what also, even more reassuring, is that four of the teams below us have got at least four of the other teams below us to play. Newcastle have got six of them. So they, they can't all get their maximum number of points. Most of them have got Liverpool and Man City to play. Brighton have got a really t- tricky run in. So, did it, so, so writing the bit of paper has made you feel... Yeah, I was okay. already feeling. Well, I couldn't feel more okay than I felt about quarter past two on Saturday, True. to be honest. But it's True. it has helped. It's not as urgent as it normally is. Street has still got the same level of contempt, of course, because he goes on facts and figures and <laughs> predictions and expected goals, etc. Whereas true football fans go yeah. with the heart. And, and also, when hands. we mentioned it on the pod a few weeks ago, it is inspired. A lot of people tweeted us saying that they've got very, did very similar things. They Good. write down the fixtures and stuff. So it seems like you're not yeah. you're not the it's only person. It's on a scrap of paper, not like Julian Chenery in some kind of bizarre little black book that's full of autographs and audition notes for Romeo and Juliet. Whatever works. Which mainly seems to be the phone numbers of younger women. <laughs> well, that's obviously getting cut. <laughs> no, actresses. He has to phone them back when he's promised them all the part. Oh, I'll right, leave it in. Um, are you ready for... <laughs> you've convinced me. Um, an iTunes review. Yeah, of course. This one from Zim77. Hi, Zim. Hello, Zim. And uh, they've titled it, Just Brilliant. I love this show. Been listening for many years and now look forward to many more to come. Keep up the great work, lads. Oh, that's nice. nice. Thanks, Zim. Which um, ex-Palace players that in style of? Let's go with... Uh, Fitzhall. Fitzhall. Yeah, sort of thing Fitzhall would say. Um, if you leave us a review, iTunes review, ideally five stars, um, in the style of a Palace player, past or present, or staff member or manager... Um, we could send you some FYP badges. Or um, well, just any sort of review by the sounds of it this yeah. week. Now, well, that, one, that one doesn't get badges. One review let's fits bro- all. Nice. Very yeah, good. Yeah, let's nice. broaden out. Let's go for a member of the foundation. One of the, <laughs> <laughs> okay, one, yeah. One not? of the ground staff. In the, the <laughs> bloke who changes the light bulbs in the floodlights. <laughs> yeah, Danny the so, Kitman. Danny the Kitman, yeah. yeah. Oh, his, his would be just his. a lovely five stars. It would be. Of course Plus, he's a free shirt for everybody. Don't, That'd be great. Don't, let, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Danny. <laughs> are you ready for a shout-out to a totally random patron? Is it more random than Julian was last week? <laughs> yeah, because we haven't got really, one on He was really random last um, week. Because I forgot to do it. Can I get a little drum roll? Just a little soft little... That's, that's too soft. <laughs> Weird. Um, it's Tony Shockman. Oh, oh hi, what, Tony. Great what name. What a name. Great, Great name. name. And you can join our patron at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast and get plenty of perks, including the pod extra free to pod. Uh, right. What, the 1-0 win against Brighton. Yay. I mean... I've written down some notes here, Kevin, which I know will shock mm. you. And the first one I've written, and this might be very unfair, actually, because Andy was saying off earlier, it was a very sort of classic Raw Hodgson away performance. But I've put, was it as simple as Palace turning up compared to last year when we all know it was a very, very, very poor start? I'd like, I'd like to think that he listened to the podcast last year and realised that <laughs> it isn't just, just another game, which is the vibe he was trying to give off before and after last year. Well, there's two things that really pleased me about it, I have to say. One is that 
Whatever we've said about Roy Hodgson on this pod, Jesse, over the years, of course he's a really good coach. You can't gainsay that he's a really good coach. It's just that that's not always visible to the naked eye. Sometimes in games he does things that are baffling. But for this game, he did exactly what he said he would do. He said, he, and afterwards he said, that we looked at how Brighton play. We were happy for them to have the ball in front of us. We didn't think they had the strikers to really cause us problems and we knew they could cause us problems on the break. And So we went into the game of a plan executed the plan really well. No one had a, a, a poor game. It's a good positive substitution when McCarthy had to to go off. Um, and we did a number of them, basically. And what, the other thing that really pleased me is that, for once, the media... Because the media love Brighton. There's, that's not paranoid or conspiracy. Mainly because half of them live down there. So they, I was going to ask, yeah, why them, is that? A lot of them do generally live down there, so they do. there's a groundswell of support for Brighton in, in the media, both written and broadcast. But for once... Graham Potter was the only one who said Brighton deserved to win that game. Everybody else, every pundit, every newspaper report said, no, Palace did, Palace did them. Palace, Brighton can only play one way. Palace stopped them playing that way and then won the game. It was a classic Roy Hodgson away victory. So I, I was actually quite pleased with that because I was expecting everyone to go, oh, poor old Brighton. They played all the football and then got mugged. But yeah, Jonathan Pierce wasn't happy. He's not a Palace fan at the moment for some reason. But And it was slightly against the run of play, but that's... That was it. It was slightly against the run of play, but we were away from home. I thought it was a really well-deserved 1-0 win. And the only problem was that Wilf didn't get that goal at the end, mm. which would have made it perfect. That would have been the chair on the yeah. kick. I mean, it was a very professional performance, wasn't it? Is that... Because, you know, Palace weren't, didn't have more possession, I'd imagine. Probably Brighton probably had more chances. You'd have thought I'd looked at the stats by now, and I haven't. But they had a lot of chances. They had about 24 shots on target, <coughs> but that's mainly from outside the box. Yeah, and they also had that big chance of Solly March missed. But Palace were very professional in their approach, weren't they? I thought we contained them really well. We sort of rode the storm. I think we had a few bits of luck with some of the the, the Mope shot that went straight at Gaeta was a stroke of luck. Yeah. And um, a few other nice load saves, loads of the ground from Gaeta kept us in the game first half, as well as the March miss that you just mentioned. So I think we rode the storm. And then in contrast to the previous week where we didn't take our chances, um, I know Benteke with his 50p head, Put it into the uh, put a chance away for a goal kick, but yeah, credit to him for putting it. So I'm sure we'll come on to Benteke later, but it, we just took our chance when we needed to, and uh, it was just nice to see it out at the end. And cherry on the cake would have been yeah. there, but for the whip for the post. I hear JD Senior celebrated that solid March miss with some bravado. He, yeah, he <laughs> I turned around next to me, and he, you know, everyone goes, Wee! I thought he'll be going, Oh, that was close, and he was in my face going, Wee! <laughs> He had, he had a good he had a, he had a great day out. He was with the HF, wasn't he? But basically, we basically were in the HF. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't. I got told in no uncertain terms that I'm not in the HF. Was, was, that, was that your black smoke? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll claim that. Um, is it is it the sort of performance, Andy, that actually Roy doesn't quite get enough credit for? That in it, at home games or in previous away games, people would say it was too negative, but actually, it was the perfect approach. For Saturday, and it was a very Roy. Well, generally, that's how our away wins under Roy Hodgson have come. So there must be some method in the madness. I mean, it's interesting that previous week we pressed Newcastle quite high, and we looked mm. good for doing so because their centre backs aren't, and their defence generally aren't very good on the ball. Um, and a lot of the chat from many of the Palace fans and Palace-related commentators and pundits or so afterwards was, "Well, that's great that Palace are playing higher. Let's see them do exactly the same against Brighton." And we tried to do that earlier this season against Bryson and I thought they played it through us very, very easily. Mm. And in fact, 
I'm going to get an expected goals stat in early uh, in this pod. First 10 minutes. That home game is the only game that we've played against Brighton since they've come up in which they had a higher expected goals tally than us, the home game at Selhurst. And that was kind of borne out when you viewed it with the naked eye that they were creating more of the chance in that game. We didn't really look all that dangerous at all. And with a team like Brighton, you kind of look at how they play and playing with the sort of low block and counter-attacking style that we did on Saturday, I thought they didn't really know how to deal with it at all. Mm. Like, the the Solly March goal comes from a very quick goal. Thankfully, it wasn't. The Solly March chance, which really he should have at least got on target, came from a very quick turnover. But other than that, I mean, they were limited broadly other than the Mope chance to uh, looking really for Lewis Dunk headers from set pieces. And it, it, as I said to you very briefly off air beforehand, it, it struck me as being pretty similar to, for example, the Leicester game last season where started pretty well on the counter-attack in that game, settled into a bit of a rhythm, then started to defend a bit deeper, um, but then towards the end started getting more and more joy on the break and nicked three goals in that game, obviously, but it could have been two and maybe even more in this game if we'd have uh, been a tiny bit more fortuitous. So I, I think you just have to give credit where it's due for that performance. I think Roy does actually get credit from people in the game, not always from Palace fans and not always on this pod, but you, you, even on Saturday night he seemed a bit cross that he thought we'd been rumbled because they made a, a point of their, that was their sort of analysis of the game was it was a typical Roy defensive setup and he got quite prickly about it because they, they talked about you know, practising without the ball in shape and he went, well, that's what you do, that's what football teams and That's what he's always do. done. That's what he's always done. But it's, it's, it's Alan Shearer was full of praise because it's like, it, it, it worked and it it worked quite comfortably and, and like Street, he says, it's like the Southampton game at Sellers Park as well when we we tried the high press and they, they played around us really comfortably. We learnt the lesson that there have, there have been times when we criticised Hodgson on this pod in previous seasons for doing the same thing game in, game out without ever seeming to adapt. And he's he's done it in the last two or three games, so you have to give him credit. Yeah, we, we're quick enough to not do so. I know people think on this pod we give him too easy a ride. I don't think that's necessarily true. But you, you have to praise him when when he does well. Just so you have to praise the players for doing it. And that, that, the, the miss, the Solly March miss, was partly because Van Arnholt it was partly at full, recovered really well, quickly enough to, to at least put some doubt in in his mind as to about where he was going to put it. And Gaeta's positioning was really well as well. So that was poor defending to start with, but good defending to, to end with. It's funny you say uh, PVA, because I've made a note here that I think PVA was possibly man of the match on yeah, Saturday. I think, so. I think he's going to have a difficult game against Watford, against Saar. But the other thing with Potter as well is everyone... You, we've talked about this before. Be careful what you wish for. It was all the Brighton fans going? Thank God we've got rid of Hooton. Yeah, if Chris Hooton was still manager, that would probably be nil nil that game on Saturday, and Brighton would be grinding their way to safety in a way that I think they're probably not going to. It's, 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 it's all very well playing that sort of. But was even you know Chris Hooton would have started with Glenn Murray up front. Mm. Simple as that. And there's this kind of snobbery I think from Potter not doing that because he would have given Cahill uh, and Dam. Many more problems than they had certainly in the first half. I think a small nod to to McCarthy who only had half the game, but um, he did a great job of snuffing out Moy in the yeah. first half, um, right on the left hand side of the sort of PVA area. He was really helping cover, just dispossessed him a couple of times, just and then bizarrely Moy was given man of the match on about eighty oh. minutes. That was amusing. Really? Yeah, yeah, on the screen. But that's why I thought the Riedeval- <laughs> that's why I thought bringing Riedeval on was a really clever substitution because y- y- your instinct would be to bring Luca on. But I just think Reid is more mobile and more quick to read danger in that sort of situation. 
Yeah, you know, I did wonder at that point whether that. I think it was that Luca probably still wasn't actually completely match fit. Yeah, he didn't have the, I think. In the, huh? I think he'd, he'd been, been ill. ill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd been ill the week before. But I still think in previous games Luca would have been the one to come on for the mainly for the second half. But I, I thought it was the right the right decision. It, uh, yeah, I think it was too. And um, the Luca, <laughs> it was brilliant when uh, Wolf had that. I'm going to really question actually that sort of square up to Shalotto, I think his name is. Yeah. <laughs> Luca was still playing the captain's role, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Even though not on the pitch, breaking them up. And that was a bizarre incident, wasn't it? Andy, that whole Shotto thing. So it was completely unprofessional by him. Um, uh, uh, look, I mean, ultimately, uh, you know why he did it. It was to try and curry favour with the home fans and, you know, whip them up into a bit of a frenzy. But, you know, the number of times you see that sort of thing happening and then the person who does it ending up looking rather ridiculous... And well, I think the one piece of advice I could give to most people in life is don't become a meme. <laughs> <laughs> just just whatever you do, act, act in such a way that you're not going to become a meme. And he's become a meme. Yeah, he has. You yeah. are a meme now, Shalotto. I uh, thought it was interesting because <laughs> Hodgson, I thought, seriously alluded to the fact that it was deliberate afterwards. Cause of course it was. Because he said, no, but he said it was deliberate because one of the Sunday papers said it's part of a, a preconceived plan by clubs to somebody will be uh, nominated to wind Wilf up. Yeah. One of the subs or one of the players on the thing. So he would have been told to do that. And we're, and Hodgson made a good point. It's an, another ref other than Martin Atkinson might have fallen for it. And then Wilf might have got the yellow card as well. Yeah. But Wilf, I thought, was remarkably restrained because he could see what he wanted to do. Yeah. Although it's funny, it's Atkinson was, was the ref away at Arsenal early in the season who was so quick to, to yeah, book yeah, Wilf yeah. for diving for the penalty and then overturn. So I don't yeah. know if maybe even in that moment, he had a bit of a sort of moment of clarity <laughs> with Wilf, maybe, I don't yeah. know. But yeah, I actually thought Wilf was very restrained, actually, mm. in that, compared to sort of previous seasons, because it clearly is a targeted approach to wind him up. it has worked as well. I mean, at Southampton, it has worked. Wilf, yeah. yeah. Oh, James Ward-Prowse yeah, yeah. is, is absolutely living in Wilf's head went rent-free at the moment. Yeah. But <laughs> it's mad, it is... Andy's right, it's like hugely unprofessional, incredibly childish. Sort of thing you might see at sort of Sunday league. Not only kicking the ball at him, then doing the whole cry face kind of thing. I thought it was embarrassing all round. Yeah, I think what Andy says is true, right? He's just trying to make some impact from the bench, but he's reducing the likelihood of getting put on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And he's a right back as well. So, I mean, if if, if and when your right yeah, back yeah, gets booked yeah. because Mopay of the world's booked. Yeah. He was booked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, Montoya Montoy 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 was booked, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he yeah. kind of got, got his seat yeah. into a position where even if uh, Potter had wanted to take off his uh, booked right back for someone with a clean disciplinary record, that wasn't going to be Shalotto because mm. he'd been booked for kicking the ball at the player as a sub. I think I read somewhere that he's, his contract's expiring. Because he, he actually, I remember him because he played against us when we when Bakari Sacco scored that worldie in the FA Cup third round. Yeah. Remember that? He played yeah. in that game, Shalotto. Um, I think he's looking for a contract. I think his contract uh, expires, okay. so he's probably just trying to, you know, raise his profile. Years then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just it's, it's just it's sort of thing you don't expect to see from Premier League professionals. True enough, but it's also the sort of thing that you wouldn't mind seeing one of your players do every now and again. You'd, you'd forgive him if it was one of your players smacking the ball at one of their players that you didn't like. I think you expect to like give give verbals, like uh, you yeah. know, that is part and parcel of the oh, game. That no. that obviously goes on. I think that's what. James Ward-Prowse clearly does to Wilf. But, yeah. like, you know, the sort of... 
uh, kicking the ball at well, the player and all the silly is, gestures is, 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 is a bit far. If yeah. the Eagles had accidentally kicked the ball at Troy Deeney's face on, on Saturday, I wouldn't And yet you would, you would be indignant and probably are indignant about Harry the Hornet doing similar stuff. Of course, yeah, because yeah. he, he, he's somebody else's mascot. Yeah. He's not, he's not, <laughs> you've got to be partisan in those matches. Well, of course you have, yeah. <laughs> well, look, we've well also, why wasn't Deeney sent off against Liverpool in the first half? Shocking. I didn't see that. I heard clear that, over yeah. the top. It was shameful. VAR. It was so a great play against Palace. He's like, he's like Brighton. They love the media. Love Troy Deeney. Yeah, they do. <laughs> well, we'll come on to the, the Watford game later on. Um, we've <laughs> <laughs> no, that's getting cut. It's probably right. I can't be asked to cut it. Um, we have a question from uh, Keith Madge Dimond. Hi, oh, Keith. Keith. Who, AKA on Instagram, known as Magic Cheese. Nice. Yeah. He says, uh, "Morning Eagles." This is about Shalotto. Question for this week's pod: Can I ask when? <laughs> I don't think he knows his name, but when Matey warmed up on the sidelines, <laughs> hashtag dry your eyes, mate, he got a yellow for one year at Wilf. If he continued to do so and received a second yellow, he would have been sent off. Would this mean that the Tesco bag wearers would only, I need to pre-read these, would only have been allowed two subs or to continue with three, not able to sub the Jesus looky? Great result. No, and it would have meant he couldn't come on as sub. They'd still be allowed three subs if they had three subs on the bench. Is that? I actually don't know. To be honest, is that, is yeah, that what yeah. It is? he wouldn't be. He he would have been sent off. He wouldn't be able to come on. But it wouldn't stop them having. In the old days, if there's only one sub, then of course they wouldn't be able to have another sub. But his players have been sent off. I think it's happened three times when the players have got red cards before coming on for getting involved in touchline scraps. So if you've got five subs, as far as I know, I could, there'd probably be other referees. But because hmm. this did come up in the conversation on Saturday evening, I think. Okay. Well, there you go. But it still would have been a stupid thing to do. It's like Streety says, it, it's th- that's the right back replacement option. So yeah. <laughs> it's just dumb. Um, uh, Keith Madden goes on to say, funny. "Yeah, well, it, it's funny. It's funny because we, we worked won. in our favour. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because we won. Uh, yeah. Great result, and we're all getting more positive again. How fickle we all are. Mm. I'm mm. not at exactly the same level as I always have been. <laughs> yeah, you're a thinking machine. You're a cyber. Thanks, mate. You're a, literally you're a cyberman. Oh, don't mention Doctor Who to Ed, by the way. We'll talk about Cyberman. It's the last episode ruined his life. He said, oh, I've not been watching it. It's terrible. I've been last uh, episode was just terrible. It's broken, Doctor Who. He said. Um, we we gave a nod to Bradley Walsh dressed as a Cyberman was a new low. <laughs> we gave a nod to James McCarthy. <laughs> we gave a nod to PVA. I think it's also worth a nod to. <coughs> Cahill has been brilliant, but Scott Dan again. Yeah. So yeah, Scott yeah. Dan, in a, two weeks ago, we had an article from The Athletic, which we'll come on to in a minute, this week's about Benteke, um, saying that uh, Dan is getting his chance again after being, we all agree, sort of fifth or sixth in yeah. the pecking order. He was brilliant against Newcastle, Andy, and he was excellent again, wasn't he, against, uh, against Brighton, taking his chance, really, that's been handed to him. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, goes to show that all you need to have a return to the team and a return to form is get Don Fifield to write a <laughs> glowing article about you because he seems to be so insightful as to see the future as well. Um, That's yeah, I mean, he's been excellent yeah. the last two games, hasn't he? I mean, we, we, we've all known for years now the talent that Scott Dan has and the, the ability that he has. I mean, he's been a bit unfortunate at, at times with injuries and fluctuations in form and then replacements coming in and all sorts of things, really. And... I think Don mentioned on the extra that there was a circumstance in which he could have left in January. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, football works in funny ways. Sometimes you get chances when you're not expecting them to happen. Sometimes they arise from really unexpected uh, collapses in transfers, as that one has. But he's, he's certainly grasped it with both hands, hasn't he? So you do listen to the Broad Extra? 
Well, I, I, just, I, knew, I, I knew Dom was on, so I thought, right, if I listen to 15 minutes of that on the way over, I'll, I'll get some of that ingrained in my head. Yeah. Uh, well, you cut, recite you, some of it I'm, and then you, sound really but not the second really, 15 minutes you cut it off when Selzy came on <laughs> <laughs> I mean I also had to block out Rob too but it was worth it <laughs> um, so if Dom's done an article about Dan and he's turned his form around he's done one about Benteke this week so maybe he will who can we get him to do an article about next Stuart Arcade <laughs> No, he really needs it because, to be honest, Kevin, in the last few weeks he's been a, no, I think the, solid the, from everyone. The, the brilliant thing about Dan is, as well, is that he showed no sign of nerves or fear. He's, 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 he's stepped in as though he's never been away, really. But it, there is a slight worry that, in terms of transfers over the summer, they might go, well, we're fine for ageing centre backs. We don't need to revitalise the back four. But that's the, the only negative thing I, even I can think of. And I've. He's he's looked like a Scott Down of old, basically. And yeah, you can go well. It's against two teams that are below us, but they're still halfway decent teams. So Cahill looks like, and also I thought Dan's afterwards seems so enthusiastic, so positive the way he was talking to the press. And also we mentioned this last week. All the rumours the week before about oh, everyone's going. It's not a happy club. Things are you know, it's very negative. See the way the players celebrated that goal against Brighton on Saturday. They knew that wasn't just a three-point goal. They knew how much that meant to to Palace fans, basically. You see the way Benteke celebrated, the way Van Arnholt celebrated. They knew what that meant. But I don't think that's changed at all in any of the fixtures that yeah. we've had with Brighton. You saw when we beat them 3-2 at Selhurst how sort of hyped the players were, yeah. sort of scoring and, and, and winning that game. And the the inference some fans seem to draw as well, we've lost to a worldie from knockout. That's because the pl- players don't care. I mean, they obviously care about this fixture. They need to approach it in a professional and level-headed manner so they don't all do a shilotto and turn into a meme. But frankly, you know, they're, they're, they're professionals and they know what it means to the fans yeah, I who think, I can think, watch them. So, so I th- they are passionate about that game. But I think Hodgson talked it down last year. The, the away game last year, I think Hodgson talked it down so much in the week before that that reflected on the on the players that they were so determined to play within themselves and not show that lack of passion that that, that, that by the time they they woke up after an hour it was it was too late and they I've, they showed that right from the start and it's you, you could you, there was a real bond I thought between the players and the fans at at the end which perhaps has been missing a little bit either side of Christmas I, I think I think Dan must have been especially pleased in the reverse fixture last year as we mentioned last week when he got. Murray picked his pocket. Yeah, the ball floated yeah, over yeah, his yeah. head. Yeah, so he probably was quite clean not to let Murray get the better of him at yeah. the end of the game there. But another small observation, which follows on from the uh, the game the previous week um, against Newcastle, was McCarthy took those corners again from the right, or well, as in from the other opposite sides of Van Anholt, and uh, found Cahill and Dan again. Yeah, and Cahill headed it down into the ground and yeah. went over the bar. Probably should have done better. And Dan got on the end of another McCarthy yeah. corner in the first half. So that's a good sign just to see that week on week doing better in the air at set pieces. So I think, what didn't Dom say that um, Cahill would score a header before the season's out? Yeah. I heard him say that. Well, it looks like we're getting close. Yeah. When's the last yeah. time we actually scored from a corner? <laughs> I genuinely I we can't. Have, we have this year because there was a stat the other night about one of the clubs, Watford, the only team who haven't scored from a corner this We've scored from a corner this year. year. Okay, we'll, by the end of the pod, we'll see if we can... I might Google it. We'll see if we can come back to that. Um, just on final on sort of part one on the Brighton game, a little nod to the policing of the game. And obviously, there's always heightened, you know, um, eyes and tension on it. And Jesse, obviously, you were at that game a couple of years ago. 
where you couldn't get in. Mm. One of the few fans, and when it, it was it was complete meltdown. I mean, the knives and knuckle dust, dusters thing afterwards. And so there's always a tension around this game. What's going to be like? I found it personally. This is my sixth or seventh time at the game. I actually felt like, in the same way, I think that Roy and Palace had learnt from last season's game at the Amex. I felt like actually the policing and stewarding, they'd learnt from it as well. It seemed to be a lot. Wasn't quite the aggression, and again, I'm only going from my experience, wasn't quite the aggression from the police and from the steward. The stewards were almost apologetic in the way they had to sort of pat us down, and it wasn't full body search. I just felt that... Is that your omission that you took in the pyro? (laughs) (laughs) No comment. Um, Although I do wonder how they... I've just worked out how I got in. Um, You normally ask for a full body search as well, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Just for your body language, just Just to feel feel loved. I don't think we're in the... Are we in the business of... Praising the West Sussex Police on this point? No, we're not. But I just it's feel a half. Like, it's an early kickoff as well. I mean, it's not. I think, and I think that actually <coughs> that contributed to it as yeah. well. But it was. Um, it certainly didn't have the, that kind of the aggro and antagonistic feel. I felt from it, a fan uh, in the away end. Sadly, I have to agree as well. I think that um, <laughs> you had a terrible hangover, though. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but for the first time in uh, since they've been heavy-handed in their sort of security measures. For the first time, they actually checked my ID that it matched the name of my ticket. Oh, really? Because okay. previously, I haven't bothered to check. Yeah. So it was nice knowing it was worth bringing my season ticket yeah. and uh, risking losing it on a Friday night out. So, yeah, they did check to make sure that I was who I was. And, um, and not did... the manager of Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did have the... He could have been. He celebrate the three points. He was before. playing Friday night. It could have... It was, maybe, uh, yeah. Ed and I were half-heartedly watching the Antiques Roadshow <laughs> last night as he recovered from his Doctor Who debacle. And it was in Sussex, and this policeman, Sussex policeman, came on with his 18th century gun that he said, oh, yeah, we uh, it got handed in at the police station. And Ed and I both went, no, then you took it off Palace fans, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Along with all the knuckle <laughs> dusters <laughs> and the, the blunderbusses and the <laughs> elephant traps that apparently we had in the game with us. <laughs> but, yeah, it had echoes of the, uh, the infamous playoff semi-win when after the game they contain you for half an hour and the bars are still open. Yeah. So that was all, it was all a, a great day out, to be honest. As Jordan A, you put out on Twitter, nice day by the seaside with my friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Beautiful. of course. We haven't mentioned it. Oh, I haven't mentioned Wardy either or uh, AU, but what? We've got questions about AU for part two, uh, part okay. three, so we'll save that for because I, re- I want to talk about Christian Benteke because I think yeah. everyone has been since that game. And funnily enough, part two is an article from The Athletic and it's about Christian Benteke. Mm. Welcome back to the Five Land Podcast. Hey. <laughs> uh, part two is sponsored by The Athletic, a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace. They have a subscription-based website and app, and they're completely ad-free. No ads, no annoying pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. If you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can get a 30-day free trial and receive 2% off your new subscription with £2.50 a month. <gasps> Don't know why I did that. And also, you can read uh, a very interesting article. Uh, by Dom Firefield, Matt Woosnam, and some other writer about their experience from the way end. Oh. So, yeah. Your dad. Two out of three, man. <laughs> Actually, he probably could have done got... It's by Jim Daly. I know that because he sent it around earlier. Oh, did I he? did not. Um, Breaching copyright of some sort, I imagine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Didn't send it to you, did it? <laughs> anyway. I, I actually have my own subscription, so I wasn't in any way assisting his breach of copyright. <laughs> well, I don't know. Listen, I think it's fine. Um... <laughs> So anyway, this week's, this week's article, this is uh, Dom's article that he filed on the whistle, basically, from that game. And, and it's about Christian Benteke. Um, 
who, of course, we didn't even mention this in part one, set up that goal with a superb yeah. reverse pass to, um, to Jordan Ayew. And I thought was superb, again, having been very good against Newcastle. And I'm going to read you out an article, uh, a clip here from Dom's article. It says, um, Palace clearly do not play to Benteke's strengths as they once did. There might have been an argument to reintegrate Andros Townsend, the team's best crosser, into the lineup to maximise Benteke's aerial threat in an attacking sense as they sought to upturn it in fortunes, though it surely would have been at the expense of Ayu. Yet the Ghanaians' performance since the break, culminating in Saturday's winner to secure Palace's first ever top flight success at their bitter rivals, oh yeah, um, has made his omission unthinkable. Ayu's goals this season have won the team 12 points to date. Benteke's, Benteke's solitary strike uh, provided a consolation in a loss at Everton but as an attacking pivot occupying centre halves he is surely benefiting Ayu and Wilfred Zaha at his side allow the Belgian to turn and he has runners galloping up alongside him his days of far from splendid isolation may be over are we seeing a different Christian Benteke now from the one that joined us three years ago I think that's a really good article by the way and I've uh... I really like what it says about the Palace fans and how much they appreciate Benteke. Because I think we've said this before, fans of any other club would have turned on him many, many months ago. The the problem is, and I'll say this because JC's not here to say, a striker's always going to be judged on how many goals he scored. And we said after the Newcastle game on the pod that he's a goal away from being a perfect... You know, that was a really good performance. Again, it was a really good performance on, on Saturday. A lot of strength, a lot of power. Defensively, he's really good as well. Caught, I think he won four headers from corners. Defensive headers. He played AU in really well. And, and there's signs of a genuine strike partnership between them. I, I don't think you could argue that Wilf's benefiting particularly at the moment from Benteke. But he is, yeah, he is playing really well. And I think he will start on Saturday. And I'm really pleased for him. And I'm really pleased for the fans who supported him. But... The, the final analysis is if he scores two more goals this season at the end of it we'll say he's had a shocking shocking season unfortunately Oosh. and and I know that's notwithstanding the injuries and and I hope he stays but the thing is it, it's it's right to praise him but at the same time if you've got a striker of that quality you need to be finding ways to get him scoring goals and you could argue that we did that in the fourth minute and he missed the chance but hmm. He did have a good chance early he, on. He, he did, but it, in, <clears throat> it's a difficult one. So I'm thorough, really and truly on his side, but he's in there for one reason, and it's to score goals. And you know, Cameron Jerome—you couldn't argue that Cameron Jerome was a brilliant striker for us because he put the effort in and he brought people into the game. He didn't score goals, so in the end, he's not doing his job. It's funny you say yeah. that because the Mister Dave Louis One has said, "Is Christian Benteke our new Cameron Jerome slash Shamak?" Hold up, play good, and nearly always wins headers, but can't yeah. score at the moment. P.S. I have full faith in him. Thanks for the pod. Essential listening every week. Oh, thanks, Dave. Should, well, but it's like New, Newcastle fans will be having the same argument about Dwight Gale. Dwight Gale played on Saturday and looked lively, but his job is to score goals, and he didn't look like scoring any but goals. Benteke so like, has proven in the last few weeks that he has more to his game than oh, Dwight Gale. We said this last week, Jesse. He's working. He, 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 he's not playing like somebody who hasn't scored goals. He's doing a really good job for the team, but... His main job for the team is to, is to score goals. And it's if you thought he was going to have one assist every week, then fine. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. Well, OK, well, yeah. my follow-up question to that was, and I asked it to you, Jesse, is should we then be changing our mindset and maybe expecting Benteke to play more of a pivot role where he is getting assists and maybe just say, 
Okay, the goals aren't going to come as much, but if it means that Jordan Ayew is getting 10, 15 goals, then maybe that's the compromise we have to accept. It's hard to reconcile because we know that he's got goals in him. Right? Mm. For someone, you can't really compare Benteke to Cam Jam or uh, <laughs> just wheel that one out. And Ch- or Chmack, because neither of them scored 17 league goals for Palace. Yeah. So it's quite hard to just say, actually, let's just rebrand him as Cam Jam 2020. It sounds like he's going for president. <laughs> uh, no, so it, I can't, you can't quite, to me, it's lipstick on a pig to say that Benteke is suddenly our number 10 or, or playing that role. I mean, I'd rather see Benteke. We've got MacArthur there to thread those kind of killer balls in. Yeah. And so I'd rather see Benteke bury those chances like we saw earlier on than try and pretend he's James MacArthur for five minutes. So it's really hard to kind of just accept Benteke as, oh, actually, he's probably, he, he can't score anymore, so let's just take him for what he is, he is contributing. Okay, it did. It, it was important on the day, and we can't take that away from him, but he also did, had, week, week on week, the last two weeks, he's had a free header uh, in the six-yard box and put them both in absolutely uh, sort of, unbelievable places there's not not even anywhere near the target so it's it's really quite hard to kind of just accept that he is uh, going to do this instead of what he should be doing when we know that he's got it in him or previously that's what we I mean that's what we paid the money for really also yeah. i think that stat about iu winning us 12 points is slightly misleading because that's as much to do with the defense after he scored as it is to do with the timing of of his goal it's like it's it's coincidence that he scored important goals it's good that he's getting in those positions towards the end of games but you can't just argue that he's his his goals in the same way you can't really define how many points Gaeta's saved us it's impossible to do that so I think it's unfair to say you know Benteke's goal was only a consolation against Evans he didn't know that if we if we'd gone on to score two more goals, everyone would say that's the goal that started the comeback. Yeah. So it's there it's, are it's, variables. It's in as those. much to do with the rest of the team. It's just that happens. I scored four goals that won us four games. Basically, there are definitely and variables in we, those. But stats, also, yeah. we we only win games by one goal. So the, the chances are that whoever scores that one goal in our game is going to win us the three points. And Statman to my right here is nodding for the first time. I thought we drifted no, off no, for I a was little while. It's just me drifting off. Yeah. I think it, I think it, I think it is brilliant the way that we we have uh, rallied round him and I'm proud I'm throughout the game. I don't think any other fans yeah. for the last year would have been as patient with Benteke. Yeah. So I genuinely mean that any other fan in any club, any division, would have turned on him on mass in a way that Palace fans haven't. And as we should uh, through yeah. through the game, we have to support him and we have to um, wish for the best in terms of what he does contribute. But let's probably let's not dress up too much post match that he's something that he isn't. I think. Yeah. But I do, I do agree with the sentiment of Dom's article, which is, you know, he's uh, contributed in an important game to beat our rivals, taken some pressure off Roy in that fixture. And um, luckily, Ayu put it away. So it you all turned also, out well on the day. You could also argue as well, it's poor goalkeeping. If you want it to be a neutral pundit, it wasn't so much Ayu's brilliant finishing as pretty, don't you think, Street? It wasn't... No, I agree. It wasn't uh, brilliant goalkeeping. But look, going back to Pateke, if I, if I was Roy Hodgson... And obviously, thankfully, I'm not. I would continue the current role. I'd actually be saying to Penteco, look, what you're doing is great. Yeah, we'd love goals. But actually, you're clearly playing a role for the team. And IU is benefiting. I agree with Kevin. Wilf, not quite in the same way, I don't think is. But my question to you, Andy, is, is this really more a case of the formation? If we were going back to the old sort of Pardew way and Penteco was up front, maybe with someone else with him, and it was an old four four two or a four five one or something. He was the main striker. Was there a formation under? <laughs> <laughs> Charge! 
then I think we'd be expecting <laughs> we'd be expecting goals from him. But when it's clear that actually in that front three, he can and maybe he's being instructed to play that more of a pivotal role, then is it easy to accept the lack of goals? I actually think that giving him that sort of role is perhaps to Wolf's detriment. And I know people have in their mind, Wolf is a winger because people like paradigms because they allow them to make sense of the world and say, <laughs> it's true. And uh, missed, so people... I've missed this. So, <laughs> I've really missed, I've really missed this. <laughs> and so pe- pe- people... The paradigm but, but, for a long time. Football fans also have this really weird nostalgic thing where they remember certain things from a few years ago and yeah. perhaps put a sheen on them that isn't necessarily befitting of how they were at that time. And so people had this fixed view that Wolf has to play wider. But you saw on Saturday, for example, that because he now does, because Ben Teke's back in the team, there are quite a few times where he was sort of tracking back and effectively doubling up with his own fullback. Now, if you accept that trade-off and say that you're, you're happy with it, fine. There, there are trade-offs all over the pitch that have to be made in a successful, or even a semi-successful football team. Um, and if you don't accept that there are trade-offs, you'd end up with a pretty poor team. You should probably play seven up front or something stupid. <laughs> Again, uh, pardon you. Yeah, well, yeah, quiet. Um, but, you know, th- there are collateral effects that come from Benteke now playing in that role. And, yeah, it's fine when, I suppose, Patrick van Arnholt steps up against Newcastle and scores an absolute world of a free kick, or when Matt Ryan doesn't uh, show the most exemplary goalkeeping ever and allows Jordan Ayew's shot to trickle in. I mean, is it worth the trade-off in terms of having a non-striking number nine, even though he's a good technical footballer? I don't know. I'm I'm not entirely sure. I quite liked Wolf playing higher up, more centrally with IE, but I I completely take the point from others that that's not how they like Wolf to play. Well, Benteke is going to start on Saturday for a start, simply simply because of the physicality of of Watford. No, simply because we won the last game. Well, yeah. 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 (laughs) But as he should, I think, think just because of the physicality of Watford, He'll start because of his usefulness at, at, at both ends. But at least, and Roy did mention this himself, finally, with Schluppi's uh, training again, Tosson's fit, Townsend's fit, there, there are options, finally. And there, there have been times when he had, he would, he's only got three fit strikers and he has to play them and, and find ways of fitting them in. It's, it's almost impossible to drop Ayu because he's playing much better than I thought he would do in that wide role, albeit drifting in. He's never going to drop Wilf, and he'll and like you say, he'll take the conservative option and he'll pick the team that won you the last game. I, I, I'm hoping that he'll play a different system against Watford and, and try and win the game and be on the front foot. I'm not entirely sure that he will do, but at least there are options. But he'll he will start. I think the same team will start if they're all fit. Well, that'll be this. and that includes Luca not starting as well. I think. Yeah, I agree, and that'll be yeah. the same starting lineup of three games in a row. And we did yeah. show against Newcastle that we can come out of the blocks. Yeah. against team at home, um, and we'll come on to the Watford game. Of course, and also later on. Meyer, again, Myers just slipped down the pecking order. Well, I think the more players come back fit, the further Maya goes down the pecking order. I think Maya is to borrow and Andy Streetism is regressing to the mean. Yeah. In terms of Did Tosson that's drop? That's, 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 you've used that in a completely uh, Have I? No, that's about right. <laughs> well, what, what, what mean is he regressing to? The mean to? of doesn't just really, not playing and he's being rubbish. Been, he's always been in it's, the mean. Yeah. People listening to this, every time they hear reverting to the mean, it's like expecting goals. You just go, oh, wait for the next bit. <laughs> well, you know, the next bit's the next bit's nearly here. He's, re- he's regressing from the mean. Did Tosson try and pass that to himself, or was that a ball to Wolf? Oh no, that was to himself. Was 100%. To himself? And yeah. again, actually, I was going to say Tosson because yeah. you were saying Benteke starting. Well, Tosson hasn't really done anything in the few times he has come on, apart from you that tackle at, in, against Newcastle. I think to even but challenge Benteke to start. So. He's only started three. He's still got two goals and 
Want to Benteke. Who? Tosin. He's scored against City, didn't he? No. Oh, he did as well. Yes, he did. But he tell you one thing he did do was he did that one two with Will for the last play of the game. Yeah. That I did notice he got received the ball and just first time played it right back into Will. Something that Benteke wouldn't do. He would take three touches and that would never have happened. So Well look could I mean yeah, maybe we've talked about this before, you know, Tosson. I mean the trouble is four four two looks increasingly old fashioned every time a team tries to play it in the Premier League. Doesn't seem quite right. Everton in the second half yesterday, United, as soon as United worked out how to deal with it after the first 15 minutes, it wasn't working for them. So I think Hodgson still would ideally rather play 4 4 2, but realises that you can't. Well, and the system he's got yeah. at the moment is working yeah. in the last few games and with, that, with, with the players he's choosing. Well, I um, think the forward, the fact is that the midfield, of, even on Saturday, the midfield were more forward thinking than they were in the game last season for a start off. And that's what you get when Luca's not playing because McCarthy does tend to look forward more. Riedewald certainly does. Kayati looks to get on the front foot. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. talk about the midfield three later on because obviously McCarthy picked up an injury so we don't know if he's going to play. But just on Benteke, we've had a few questions about him and they all seem to kind of follow the same consensus. So one of them's from Mike Clark. Hi, Mike. One of our patrons. And he says, is Benteke there to supply Will Fenayu now rather than being able to, there to supply him? Okay, yeah. Um, is he also there as much as, as defending set pieces as an attacking option? So he's very, very good in the box. I think Mike needs to come on the pod because those are two better points than I've made on podcasts <laughs> so far. Yes, Mike, those are yeah. both correct. Well, Mike is one of our top tier patrons and one of the perks is you get to come on the pod and in a few weeks, Mike will well, be coming go. on the so pod. There we go, oh. we've found my so replacement already. Well done, Mike. <laughs> and, <laughs> does he live nearby? Because he can come on for the last bit if he wants. <laughs> or just call him up now. Um, Jay Creedy and Ben Hook have also said similar. Mr. Creedy says, does it matter if Christian is now a non-scoring centre-forward if he brings more to the team? Maybe it's time to accept that the Villa or 16-17 Benteke isn't going to come back. And Ben Hook says, even though Benteke isn't banging in the goals, I believe his hold-up play and assists have been and will be vital. And then he ends by saying, should we try and sell him now or keep him next season? I think you've got to be careful not to view the last two games just based on result as necessarily yeah. being determinative of the issue of whether or not he should or shouldn't be playing long term um, let's let's see in three games time whether or not we're continuing to create chances and actually putting them away because that'll be I guess a better sense of whether or not it's a well-founded strategy to have him effectively supplying you and Zaha in the manner described also, are we or are we not still the lowest scorers in the league? We are. Right. So it's okay. Let's say it's okay. So if New, New, Newcastle are now, aren't they? After probably, yeah. yeah. Um, let's say it's okay if we are. <coughs> it's okay if Benteke doesn't score goals. If those goals are coming uh, from somewhere uh, yeah. else, but we're still relying on a bit of a scuff from AU to go in the corner or a set piece from the left back. So it's not like if goals are flowing everywhere else, this is a much less of an issue. Yeah. Right? Whilst we're still struggling to score more than one goal a match and relying on clean sheets to pick up points, it's, it's not really acceptable. I think it's a testimony to the generous nature of some Palace fans. He's playing better than he was before he got injured. But we're not, he's not a coster. We're not a team that... We're not just putting balls to him. That's not how we play. It's not, he's not a Glenn Murray. He's not the, the sort of player that that's our only outlet. We put the ball up for Benteke to scrap and then people get round him. It's just he's had a half-decent two games, but he's only made one goal out of that. And we that's brilliant, because that's better than what he's done before. But I'm not entirely sure that we've suddenly discovered the secret to to the rest of the season. Um, and I'd be interested to see what happens if, if and when we are safe. 
and we do start playing a bit more expansive football as we have done under Roy in the last couple of seasons whether he changes Benteke's role or he, he puts Tosin in because he's got more pace I don't I think it's great that, that Benteke's having a half I think for him as a human being I think it's really good mm-hmm. and I think it's 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 great that we've won those last two games but I don't necessarily think you can argue that it's it's down to him and the other players have played equally as well and deserve as much credit mm-hmm. and I think the important thing is as we've all said is I don't think he has really brought Wilf into the game and I know uh, Dom says that in his article but I don't necessarily think he's he hasn't freed Wilf up in the way that Yannick used to free Wolf up by getting double teamed or whatever and, and he doesn't Christian Benteke still doesn't do that you grow up you people <laughs> I, didn't really? say, I didn't say anything it was seriously what's the matter with you people Jesse you've got a bike you work in Shoreditch you should be above that sort of thing the year 2020 <laughs> and then I but he still yeah I always yeah, I look, Diogo Costa's my go-to I love Costa because he was he made things happen out of nothing as Wilfian and Benteke is still not showing signs of that but he is a, he's a archetypal Roy Hodgson play he's doing his job efficiently and I think the defensive whoever made that point about his defensive qualities mm. it's a very valid point because it, it and Cahill and Dan both mentioned that afterwards about how uh, effective he is I mean Cahill was talking about his, he's got the best standing jump in the Premier League and he guards that near post at the corners and makes life easier for the for the centre back so if if at the end of the season you go well fine that's kept us up that's great but and I, I hope we do keep him but I also hope we find a way of, of getting him to score goals because as Jesse says we know he can do that his the def- 17 goals in one season wasn't a fluke no his defensive you know. headers are so good he's done one for the other team in the last yeah, two games last def- <laughs> um, well Scott Dan even though he was double teamed yeah. <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> Uh, Scott Dan did talk about that in this athletic article by Don Firefield, which you can read uh, and get a 30 day free trial by going to the athletic.co.uk forward slash FYP and receiving, oh my God, 50% off your yearly subscription while this lot decompress and try and forget about the double teaming. Uh, we're going to have a break, and after the break, we're going to uh, answer questions from our listeners. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Part three is nice. Is questions. This one's from Jack Walker. Hi Jack. Hi Jack. Jack. He says, "How many corners have we turned this season? How many more do you think we're going to turn?" (laughs) We're going in circles now, aren't we? Kind of. Just corner after corner after corner. James James McCarthy's corners are turning out beautifully. That'll do. That's a good answer. I think Bintek is scoring some goals. That'll be another corner turned, but. We seem to be turning the corners a bit earlier. Oh, no, no, it was before Christmas we were turning corners, and then we stopped turning corners. And now we're going back through those corners. And now we're going, yeah. In a different way. Yeah, it's like going back to the bunny hole if you turn the wrong way and making sure you turn the left. Don't, open. <laughs> don't, don't go back to that again. Um, Matt. Hi, Matt. One of our patrons has said, uh, what is the best, quote-unquote, limbs? You know what limbs refers to? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Away end, it's pandemonium. It's pr- pr- profuse celebration from fans in the away end. Celebration. Well, you see like <laughs> arms going everywhere and stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll see. Yeah, great. Okay. Sort of limbs. Yeah. Um, what is the best Limbs Palace event in the last decade? And Matt has given us some suggestions. Are you ready for some? I think he's yeah. hinting that obviously Saturday might be up there. Well, he's also hinting that we don't know ourselves. <laughs> that you can't rely on us to come up with answers. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, do you want to come up with some answers or do you want his first? No, no, now Matt started it. It's, it let's see how good Matt's answers are. 
Uh, Sheffield Wednesday away? Yeah, fair point. Brighton playoff away, mm, 2013. Yeah. Wembley versus Watford. Yeah. That was good. Brighton away this Saturday. Yeah. Sunderland at home for the first Prem win. Stuart. Sure, okay. Okay. Oh, it's that, that one. That, that one. You know. That one. <laughs> Where was he born? It was the 90th minute. I got that one wrong in the um, quiz as well. What number was he wearing? Uh, oh, God, I've forgotten. 12. Who was he playing for? He was 12, yeah. Yeah, I don't get something wrong twice. Um, <laughs> apart from that playing? quiz. <laughs> Liverpool at home when we won 3 1. Mm, the Jedi yeah, free kick. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, Balassi yeah. doing the skill Sunday, over Sunday. Lovren. Um, Christian Ball. He, he hasn't put Christian Ball. That's got to be there. He's also put, though, City away 2018. And United away 2019. So he's just picking his favourite matches every time we win. I've got, I've got, <laughs> every time we win. We've got a left field one. Uh, when we beat Watford 2-1 and it was 1-0 to the last two minutes. Yeah. And MacArthur put it in. And a friend, I brought a friend. Oh, yeah. We didn't deserve to win. Yeah. But yeah. we did. And a friend of mine came with me who couldn't believe how mental we went based on how badly we played. Because it was truth. Watford. Is the American yeah. one it's Chelsea, aren't we? No, it's the Ipswich fan. Ah, well, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Same thing. It's very similar. <laughs> um, I would say what I'd say this Saturday is is up there, possibly top five of those because it was well, I'd, I'd it say, was a big moment. I uh, Wolves go against Hull in the four nil. Oh, the first goal. The first goal when we were all really worried and we scored that's from the bad back pass. That was a pretty. That's a left field option, but that's, that's a, a very one. good shout. I think Wembley would have to be. I think I went as mad when the penalty was given as when we scored the goal. I was very nervous when the penalty was given because it'd be very palace to miss to miss that. I yeah. think the West Ham two two when Will scored in the last minute yeah. felt like a win. Remember that one? Yeah, that was good. Well, the West Ham Boxing Day that felt. They'd have all been eclipsed if we'd scored the penalty against Man City on New Year's Eve. Yes, if we'd ended their unbeaten run. Well, anyway, the correct answer is Brighton away in the playoffs. <laughs> it is the yeah, correct answer, yeah. I wasn't there, so it doesn't count. Um, the correct answer is... <laughs> uh, right, Your Honour. the next question is from... Uh, good question, though. Yeah. It was a good question. I apologise for my snippiness before I... <laughs> Don't apologise for that. That's why you're on the pod. What, you implying I'll be here all night? Is that why? Oh, next question is my from... Great, no? uh, Can't be snippy in my own house now. <laughs> You got to the millennial. Kevin Day bingo early. <laughs> um, Carl Cressy, Hi, Carl. another one of our patrons, says, how the hell are we going to separate Jordan Ayew and Vincente Guaita for player of the season? I Jordan... imagine probably by some form of public vote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that, that depends on how many goals... If, if Ayew manages to double his goal tally between now and the end of the season, if it was now, I'd still, it'd still be Guaita for me, I have to say. Well, we've had another follow-up question from Toftsy CPFC. It says, okay. how many goals do you think I will get by the end of the season? Do you guys reckon he will hit 10 plus? No, I think the Palace way is he'll twist an ankle in training tomorrow and be out for the rest <laughs> of the season. I think he'll get 10. If he gets 10, I'll be very impressed because he scored what one last year. I thought you were about to say, if he gets 10, I'm going to... I'm going to sort of some sort of forfeit or something. I'll, I'll get an IU tattoo or something. No, well, he'll he'll swim through thought he's he's pod naked. <laughs> yeah, I'm not promising yeah, he's that. Not, he's not the best striker in his family, is he? So, uh, <laughs> I, I think okay, mo- I, you know, he and JD have much in common. <laughs> <laughs> I was attacking midfielder, so it doesn't count. Well, he's he <laughs> and I scored more goals than you did. I meant Bell. He doesn't think of himself <laughs> as a striker either. No, he doesn't does he think of himself as an out-and-out striker. He prefers a number ten. He's always said he prefers a number ten. Which role. does that show, mean? His, so, you know, his seven goals even more impressive. If, if he gets ten goals from essentially second half of the season, he's been playing in the Townsend roles. Yeah. He? So if he gets ten goals from there. Also, I do think we are. We said this before. We are judging him because we paid two million quid for him. 
it's like if we paid 25 million quid for him, we'd, we'd, we would be going, Jesus Christ, he's just about scored seven goals. <laughs> How much do you think we'd get from him if we tried to sell him in the summer? I don't know. Do you know, it's an interesting, that's a really good question because most people in football who don't run Palace are quite sensible about transfers and stuff. So I've, I don't think... Excellent. I don't think... In the same way that Roy Hodgson's got a good reputation amongst football people, I don't think the world of football is going, well, Jordan Ayer has suddenly turned into a 20-goal-a-season player. He's probably worth 30 million quid. I don't think... I don't think we get. I don't. I don't think we'll sell him anywhere. But I don't think we'll I get think that. We I, think I took my ten-year-old nephew to West Ham Boxing Day when I scored that, that goal, and I said he did never never heard of AU before. Yeah. So I said to Martin, "How much do you think Man United would pay for Jordan AU?" He said, "100 million." <laughs> well, you never know. Well, they so, might yeah, actually give him their give yeah. their like, I think you'd yeah. almost certainly sell him for a profit. Oh yeah, sure. We had and a significant one. one. I think 10 million. Yeah. You get 10, 12 million. For I don't think he'd want. It strikes me that. Every now and again, a player who isn't brilliant finds a club at which he can flourish, and I think, yeah, I think yeah. he's enjoying himself at Palace with a particular group of players. Yeah, and he well, does being at the seaside with his friends, huh? Being at the seaside with his friends. Hmm. I think he's worth fifteen million pounds more than we paid for him. You think he's worth? Wait, seventeen. Seventeen million. Pounds. You said that with some conviction. Yeah, we going two. Well, million, I, just two million million some, I just did some very quick googling and realised that West Ham paid twenty-two million pounds for Jared Bowen. Mm. Yeah, they did. But his record in the championship, to be fair, was very, very good, Jared Bowen. Well, so is Jordan Rhodes. He's not scored goals in no, the Premier true. League yet. Where's Jordan so Ayew? Can, yeah. can we go back to Carl, Carl's question? Just uh, how are we going to separate Ayew and Guaita? And can I throw this out? I don't know if it would ever happen, but could you do a joint player of the year? And would that be fair? No, it wouldn't. No. I, I, life is full of difficult decisions where you have to pick between two very closely matched outcomes. I'm sick of people giving joint this. prizes for things. No. Absolutely not. No, I'm with you so on that. The, so the answer is? The answer is Guaita. 100%. Yeah, can, I, can I throw in? I don't really give a toss who wins player of the year. Yeah, I'm not far, I'm either, either, either can win it for as me. As long as we stay out. Because they're, they're all playing for the honour of being Palace players. They'd all play for nothing, wouldn't they? And they both... <laughs> sure, no, I don't think just for the love of being Do you not know Palace. how modern football works? Yeah. Um, Go, they, for for it, me, it would be Guaita without a doubt. Because it's not just... It, it, it's just everything. It's not just his, his shot-stopping. It's it's everything. Yeah, he's just a better goalkeeper than we've had for, and I'm, I include Julian. I think he's a better goalkeeper than Julian. To be so every, be yelling at every well, week. Well, I'm sure he yeah. can. I think Gaita's in a short space of time is a is a better Premier League. I think, and with all the criticism, and Ed and I were talking about this last night, of all the criticism we've thrown at Doogie, and I'm assuming it wasn't his decision. He asked some bloke in the street if he knew any Spanish goalkeepers, but whoever brought Gaita in, that was a brilliant piece of work. And I know it took some time to get him in. I think but it, I was, think he's it one, was a Dougie signing. That's well, great. Congratulations to Dougie. But I think he's one of the better goalkeepers in the in the Premier League, without a doubt, at the moment. And and he goes under the radar week in week out as we never we just take him for granted. You know, he made that mistake against Sheffield United, and we're all so shocked that we spent half the pod talking about. It. He's I think he's great, and I thought he, he makes our back four better as well because he's taken all yeah. that nervousness that they have when Hennessy's playing has, has gone. You don't, they're not, yeah. the two centre-backs are playing five yards further forward than they, they would be because they trust the goalkeeper. As a certain yeah. athletic journalist on the uh, Pod Extra said, I'm, I'm going to crib from again, he's actually up there or not far off uh, Alisson and Henderson in terms of well, performance as against expected goals. So in terms of saves that he's made. Look, I'm, I'm, no, you, you know, performance, was it? No, that's <laughs> It, well, okay, well, you can no, listen no, to the no, end no. of that sentence there. No, no, um, an interesting, but, no this is an but, interesting um, point to discuss. Because, because of my, but, but, yeah, but, my, so, yeah. but my feeling, this is, this is 
and I need to bow to Andy on this because my with me, my Don't feelings. Don't bow to me on anything, mate. My, well, not in my own house, <laughs> but, <laughs> but with me, it's it's all anecdotal for me. It's, it's all yeah. impressions to me. I'm just I'm just basing it on watching him at Sellers Park and in away games and thinking he's a really good keeper. So if Andy could back that up on actual actual stats, then that's that's brilliant for me. But I'm I, I'm only judging on on you know just idiot romance. And he, to me, he just looks like a good goalkeeper, and I trust him just to. Stop shots. But every every week you feel fortunate to see him between the sticks. Yeah, absolutely. There's two. There's always two or three incidents where you th- where you know in a mirror like situation with Hennessy, the ball would go through him or yeah. wouldn't be claimed with such authority. Uh, is it possible to calculate expected saves? No. That's <laughs> such a good question. Is it well, nice? no. What, what you do is you sort of take so all of the shots on target. Work out the expected goals of those shots on target, and then see how that goalkeeper's performed in terms of actual goals let in. And then you should be able to work out from that how well they're doing. I'm, just, I'm really surprised someone hasn't done that already. No, that's, what they, that's literally what they're doing. That's it. literally what Dom Fifield describes on the pod extra. Um, and I just used literally twice in the way that you would. So I thought that might appeal to you. How do you feel? Literally terrible. <laughs> right. But um, I also think it's interesting. Again, this is anecdotal. This is just based on watching De Gea, for example, in Hennessy. Is that for a big keeper, Gaeta gets, it gets down to... He doesn't use his legs that much. You see the amount of times De Gea... Brings off some brilliant saves with his with his legs, and Hennessy always struggled getting down to balls that were near his feet. But Gaeta doesn't seem to do that. Gaeta seems to be. I think Jesse mentioned it in the first part of the pod, like low down saves that with Hennessy he'd be going fantastic. With Gaeta, they're routine saves. Yeah, yeah exactly. Basically, yeah. but then he can pull off the the occasional weldy as like a two. He only had to make two saves against Newcastle, and both of them were yeah. top class saves. He has raised the bar. Massively yeah. from yeah. what we expected from a goalkeeper. The um, interesting thing will be if he can continue the levels of performance that he's shown this season, particularly into next season. Yeah. Um, I've sort of seen some of the stats guys talking about Palace this season. They've sort of said, well, you, if you look at Palace's uh, performance stats and, and metrics and all that sort of stuff, Palace aren't a particularly good team. But the one player who is performing brilliantly is Guaita. But is then sometimes spoke of slightly disparagingly by the same people as, as if to say, well, he only played for Hetafe before Palace and long-term he's not been a, a top-level goalkeeper. So some of the people who've been writing such things think that he might regress to the mean. <laughs> there you go, used properly in context. Um, hopefully not, though. You know, goalkeepers do mature at a later stage than lots of other players. Maybe he's just now found a, a club and a league in which he's going to excel and, and continue to do so. And you see, I've not seen anything to suggest that it's just a purple patch. I just think he looks like an absolutely excellent goalkeeper. Yeah, but also yeah. the, the, the trouble is as well, there are a lot of people in the media who only, they will judge a keeper by whether or not Man United or Liverpool or Man City are in for him. It's the same event. It's like, and they're not because they've got world-class goalkeepers of their own. But I think most Premier League clubs would have Gaeta as their, as their goalkeeper without a doubt. And also I think his distribution is much better than Hennessy. He, instinctively seems to know when to, to knock it long as he did for the goal on Saturday which Wilf to be fair won the first header and he, he's, but other times he's always looking to roll it out to defenders and the, the back four are much happier look turning back to him than they used to be with Hennessy you never saw Hennessy rolling the ball out to the back four they didn't want it from him they didn't trust him to give it to him properly 
Right, I've got um, two more questions. Uh, the first one is a quick-fire question, so I want you to all Ooh, answer. Timeless. Put your watch on this, because we know how long these quick-fire questions well, take. Well, I want normally. you all to answer, literally. Is it quicker than the quick-fire round in the quiz, which took yeah, much about 25 <laughs> minutes, <laughs> yeah. with your four-part questions to Selzy? Even I felt sorry for Selzy. Yeah, I should have probably rewritten. He he's still whinging they about won, that, you know. Of course he's whinging about it. They won, got, though. They it won. gives it Mr. Good Guy, but he's off, off, off mic. He's all... And on Mike. And on, yeah. <laughs> they won. It's all fine. Um, no, I know. Why do you think we're so no, bitter? Tom, Tom won. <laughs> Never mind they. Tom won. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, right, Lee Ayres. Hi, Lee. Hey, Lee. Has Hi, Lee. Put, uh, sent us a question, and I want you to answer just with your number. And he says, how many points do you think we need to stay up? Is it 36? I actually agree with Lee. I think it is 36, which is why I think we are now... Mathematically, I'm going to say it, safe. Well, we're not mathematically safe. Well, I think we are. 38. I said... I, yeah, I said two games ago that we needed 38 points from 13, 12 games we had then. We've got six of them. I think 38 will keep us up. Yeah. There's still 30 points to play for. You've got to think you need another win at least. I think, given the amount of... At times the teams below us are playing each other and the difficult games they've got and the fact that Streety points out to me year after year after year why would they suddenly after only winning five games all season suddenly win five in the last I'd, and yet you're uh, still writing down licks, uh, lists of fixes <laughs> yeah, like Rain Man yeah, I, mean, I, I will do that this time next season if we are third in the table I will still be doing that I'll just have, I'll just have 17 teams to write down rather than anything else it just I'm just happy with that bit of paper in my back pocket to check. That's all. It's just it's a comfort blanket. Yeah, and also yeah. was it? Are we? Is this the highest number of points we've had this stage of the season? Well, it was last week, wasn't it? So it must be. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. You no, it, it was, was a few weeks ago when we had 27. Yeah. So we must be. It must be the highest points we've had. I mean, mm. we're only 13 is, points off our highest ever total. It, it is strange as well how the mood does because we the the post Everton pod was a really grumpy, gloomy pod. And then with two decent performances, we're suddenly amazing. What a wing looking to do. up again? Well, in fact, yeah. actually, then yeah. we'll come to Andy for his uh, safety number, and then oh, I'll go back point. to you guys and ask you: Do you think? Well, no, I'll come back to you. Uh, I think thirty-six with minus seven, which we're on at the moment, will end up being mathematically safe. It's obviously not yet. Okay, so we're technically thirty. We're, we're on thirty-seven, technically, aren't we? Well, yeah. I mean, you would have thought. So it, Brian, were we got... to stay on thirty-six at the end of the season, our goal difference would have to. Worsen right. quite uh, yeah. markedly. Oh, it's that's bad. true. Yeah, so that's true. Actually. You've not thought that through, have you? No, I hadn't. No. Okay. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, were we to end on thirty-six points, I think thirty-five might even do it. Okay, well then let me follow that up. Uh, following on what you were talking about, do you think, given the position we're in at the moment and our fixtures for the end of the season, and we've got some tough ones coming up, can we beat our highest ever points total, which was last season? I think wasn't it forty-nine points in the Premier League? Can we do it? Well, we've broken 50 before, haven't we? Not in the Premier League, I don't think. No, we're not. Oh, I um, don't think so. We can. It's it's slightly frustrating that when we we got to 30 points quicker than we've ever done before in the Premier League and we didn't think we'd be having this conversation, that we thought we would genuinely be looking up maybe 50, 55 points. Uh, and it will be a season that we judge at the end of it in context rather than from the high point of beating Brighton on Saturday. But yeah, I, I, I think we'll probably end up with 45, 46 points and then we'll be happy with that. And then we'll do what we always do and go, well, we'll buy some players in the summer and 
we'll be fifth come September, October, and then we'll be having an emergency pod in October when we've set the manager because we're third from bottom. Yeah, and Tossum's so got injured after his first yeah. five goals yeah, of the season. We, would that be typical Palace? That would be typical Palace. <laughs> then we get, we'll get Scott Banks back from Alloa as player manager. <laughs> and everyone go, no, Dirkies, brilliant. Getting him experience up there in non-league Scottish football. So <laughs> you think 45, 46 points? I think looking at the... I, conservatively, I think... I, I can't see us not getting another six or so. I think 44 will... Yeah which in November, in November when we had nearly 30, we would have been disappointed with, yeah. but after those January, February, you'd be pleased with. But. I okay. as, as I smugly reminded everyone on the FYP WhatsApp chat, I predicted on the 30th of November, we would be safe by March. So I'd be quite That's happy true. if the 36 yeah, yeah. points does prove to be true. Yeah. Or as Carl corrected me, uh, after the game, we're safe thanks to Solly March. So uh, <laughs> either oh, nice. yeah, either clever. Or. And total for the season? Yeah, I think it's got to be. I think somewhere around the forty-five mark, another three, the equivalent of three or four wins. Um, you have to hope that we turn into the sunshine team as yeah. usual. Well, we haven't got that. Remember this time last year, we had that horrific run of five games towards the end of the season round about now we've kind of none of the teams below us have got a really bad run I, I know a lot of them have got Liverpool Man City to play but they haven't got like we've the got a tricky one but we've got them sort of Liverpool, the only team I think that you're not possibly going to beat is Liverpool I'm not worried about Man United at home or Tottenham at home no or my Wolves point is we think we've got big teams and we've got winnable games after them we don't have a run of consecutive difficult games we've got, we have we've had two games in a row that we would want to win and we've won them we've got Watford Bournemouth, Liverpool, Burnley to come. Yep. So three out of those four are there are points there. Then we've yep. got Villa away from home. You'd expect points there. Mm-hmm. Wolves away. We've got a fairly decent record. Leicester away. Tottenham, Man United at home. Chelsea at home. There's nothing too much to fear. But then I do think we have to have the discussion at the end of the season about the style of football. And I think the Brighton thing is a really interesting comparison because all the, all the Brighton fans that I know who are so delighted about getting Potter in, playing Potterball, playing beautiful passing <laughs> football. That's what they were calling it at the start of the season when, the, when the media were all over them and they were playing. It's it's good to watch. But Sounds it's like, not, it's like a dog toy. A little Potterball. Trying to get a Potterball. Yeah, it's like a Saribal. Saribal's <laughs> last, so last year, Saribal. So no, he's, he's bored with his Saribal, so now he's got his Potterball. Is there such a thing as Roybal? There is a Roybal. Roybal, yeah. yeah. What is Roybal? Well, it's long. <laughs> Hopeful. <laughs> I it's don't one. think it is. It's I think not, it's not, at times not. we do play good football on the Roy. Yeah, when we say we play effective football, well, that's the argument you have, though. With Bright- football, that's yeah. the argument you have with Brighton fans. It is be careful what you wish for because yeah. Brighton fans were fed up with Chris Hewton and they're, they're four or five points behind where they were this time last year with Chris Hewton because Chris Hewton would have ground out draws and occasional wins where Brighton's attractive football can't do that. So, you know, for all that we or I say, I want to see more attractive football at Sellers Park, if it's at the, that expense, I want us to stay in the Premier League more. And it does so there is happen. a philosophical debate to be to be had. It does still happen, yeah. and as you say, it's, it's effective as well, which yeah. is what you'd ask for. Forty-four points we're going to get to. Forty-four. Yep. Another mm. eight points. Yep. Yeah. Seven <laughs> points. Eight points. I. We're going to draw the next two, and then we're going to beat Villa, and we're going to beat uh, Burnley, and we're going to lose all the rest. <laughs> okay. Well, well, statistically, what we've we got. So we're on thirty-six points now after twenty-eight games. So what's that per game? 28, it's 28 into 36, 1.1. 1. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit more um, positive. I think we're going to get 
50 points Ooh, and beat our like total by one, by one point. In which case, we'd say we've had a really good season. Which I think would be fair. Yeah. Um, final question is from, well, two people, from Bill Deadman. Hi, Bill. Bill. Bill says, it's being reported down under, down in Australia, that Palace and, he put wet spam, which I think is West Ham, um, are coming here to tour in the UK summer. Just wanted, oh yeah, because there's someone's in the Just wanted to get in there first and say that if the panel are coming on tour, I'd happily host a pre-match pod barbecue. Oh, nice one, Bill. That's so how much are you nice making from the patron, Jamie, yeah. that you're offering us it doesn't, flights to Australia? It doesn't quite stretch. Unfortunately, Bill, unless there's a Wankdorf stadium, these three won't be interested in going no. out there, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'm going to go to Burn even if no one's yeah. playing there. Unless there's some childishly euphemistic stadium yeah, name you've exactly. got down there. I thought it was going to say, which player do we think would get the most sunburnt? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. If you've got a down-under stadium, I'm sure they'd be rushing to get there. Well, James.88T <laughs> has also said with the pending down on the tour, will the pod come with? Um, I don't think we will, do, do, but it's do, a do, very do, nice offer. Do, there are issues with that. Mainly the expense Money the distance. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sure, the, athlete, the Athletic can put on a little plane. We, we could, could say to the Athletic, you know. That's true, yeah. They might. They might Julian Chenery. Put on a little plane. We, the, patri- the top pa- the top tier Patreons yeah. should put their money where their mouth is. <laughs> basically. The top, and I so think they, they already have, frankly. <laughs> they should all go in a draw. Yeah. And the one who comes out pays for us to go. charter a flight. <laughs> for us to, to go. Australia. Julian Chenery's got shows all over the world. We just pretend that we're in Aladdin. So <laughs> we can fly out to so the, Who are you going to play in Aladdin? Uh, I'd be the genie, wouldn't I? I think you'd be the genie. Oh, no, no, yeah. grump- no, no, I'd be the grump- be be a grumpy the old uncle. Is there a grumpy old uncle? You'd be the genie. You'd be Prince, what's his no, name? No, I'd be the grumpy old uncle. And obviously you'd be Jasmine. No, he'd be the chippy little monkey, wouldn't he? All right, I'll be Jasmine. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, is that what this whole thing came <laughs> from? <laughs> <say>. <laughs> you, <laughs> Shall we wrap up this part of the pod? Not if it's you're dressed as Princess Jasmine. That's no, very off the rails. my slippers go all curly. Um, oh, God. Uh, it's like right. a carry-on film. The curly slippers are just straightened out. Oh. <laughs> well, we are ending this part. It's gone horrible. Anyway, who knows? Will we be in Australia this summer? No. Probably not. Um, no, there's no probably not about it. We definitely won't. You don't... We, no, we won't. Um, after the break, we're going to... Obviously, it's the final part of the pod. We're going to preview uh, Palace's home game. Hopefully the game we secure survival. Uh, at home. I thought we'd already decided we well, were safe, I, according to According to Andy, we haven't. I think yeah. we have. Um, anyway, it's at home to Watford. <laughs> Welcome back to the five-year plan <laughs> podcast. Hey. Hey. Let's move on. Uh, it's the preview part for the next game. Uh, Watford at home and we had a question from Adam Mark Pasco Atkins Hi Adam that's a, who lot, says, of, that's a lot of names you've know. got as many names as my son yeah <laughs> you're uh, so woke he uh, <laughs> oh god he says um, is the fact that we in capitals have to play Watford the week after they annihilate unbeatable in quote marks Liverpool dot 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 you know where it's going don't you is that li- the Liverpool who's the last team to lose on a leap year day mm. <laughs> very good um, yeah till next time is it? till next leap year no that's actually accurate <laughs> so that, that could be correct unlike JD's oh, yeah, one true. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, someone yeah, else sorry. could lose on, lose on a leap year I'll take that back you're wrong yeah. Yeah. but then they could win on 
Is it? I love watching JD think. This is literally it's like a swear. It's, like, it's like watching Homer Simpson thinking. You can see this, the donkey asleep and the thought bubble in his head. I mean, it's not important, is it? Yeah, when the light bulb's coming on, here it um, goes. It's typical on. palace. It's typical palace. <laughs> oh, we don't know yet. Yeah, we don't. Um, got, good question. I've got a Watford supporting friend who was beside himself on Saturday evening. Of course. I um, think that when you're a mid-level club and you have that sort of euphoric high against the big team, it's traditionally a bit difficult then to get yourself up for a game against lowly Crystal Palace the next match. I mean, how many times have we had it where we've beaten like yeah. Man United at Old Trafford under Douglas Freeman uh, in the Carling Cup and then come home to play against Derby on the following Friday night and managed to just about scrape a 1-1 draw. Quite often happens, uh, day after the Lord Mayor show kind Apart of Apart from the fact that it is Palace and they hate us. Yeah, well, we, I, I think it was, a remarkable, it was a remarkable result. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. They do. They they do. do. Their fans do not. Yeah, yeah. Way more than we hate them. Yeah. It was a remarkable result. There's no two ways about it. And it, we all tuned in after the euphoria of the Brighton game. That, that was going to be the icing on the cake watching Watford lose 4 or 5 nil at home. But they absolutely deserved it. Liverpool were poor against West Ham. West Ham could have beaten them at Anfield. Liverpool have been not brilliant in the last four or five games. So it wasn't as much as a surprise as you thought. But Watford, I'd be interested to see whether they can recreate that intensity. But also, we're not going to give them the same space. Watford, Liverpool defended on the halfway line, essentially. We won't give them anywhere near the same space that that Liverpool gave them. We'll, I think we probably won't be as gung-ho as we were against Newcastle. We have to find a way of negating Saar's pace on the right-hand side. But Van Arnold's probably our best defender technically I, I, if he took that result out of it you wouldn't be too worried you know we're the form team I, I don't think they can recreate the the physicality and the pace and the intensity of that performance and two of the goals came from mistakes from Liverpool defenders as well uh, and we all Liverpool are probably the least physical team in the in the Premier League I think if you look at their Fouls conceded, their yellow and red card count. They're not a physical side, and we are. And I think we'll match Watford in terms of size and strength. And, and I hope Street is right, because I think they, Watford probably will turn up thinking, great, we'll do the same again. And then suddenly after five minutes, they'll be going. You hope so. If we start in the same way we did against Newcastle, with that kind of intensity... I don't think we will, to be honest. I think Roy will approach it in a slightly different... in a different way. I think Watford are a different team to... Newcastle, Watford have always got goals in them when they're losing. Oh. But they do, it, and it, it is changed by the fact that since the playoff, they really, really, really don't like us. They hate Zahar. Kapui should have been sent off the last three games we played against them. They're very physical. So it'd be interesting to see who's refing the game. Uh, I don't know. Uh, A shout out to my friend Pringle, the Watford fan, who, upon my texting him, congratulations on. Speaking of Paul, text me back to say somewhere there's a scouser with a lock-up and thousands of Invincibles t-shirts. But I've been saying to him, it's quite strange, the dynamic this year, because it feels like we've had a Watford-type season and they've had a Palace-type season, struggling and just trying to keep their heads above water and just about rescuing it, if if they do that. And us, relatively safe, but not quite happy with where we are. A A good start that peters out. Yeah. So it just felt like we had each other's season or that kind of pattern. So, yeah, you've got to feel that hopefully I mean, the Liverpool victory has given them a false sense of uh, security or at least that they're on the up and hopefully we can capitalise on that. They've lost Delafoy, haven't they? He's got yeah. injured. I don't know what his 
contribution was to the game, though. He was playing really well when was he, he got taken off. And then, was he? Yeah. He's got a bad it's injury. I feel sorry for because they're playing Liverpool next. So, so they'll get a... Yeah, I think there will be an element of Liverpool have had the Invincibles thing in the back of their mind and probably not been shackled by it. But but we simply, yeah, you see the way Liverpool's fullbacks push on, the way Van Dijk basically stands on a halfway line. We won't play like that. We won't give Watford that sort of space and time to play football. Mm. Well, and we'll match them physically in a way that you know Liverpool have got Van Dijk apart from that. They're not without Milner in the team and without Henderson. They're not physically a strong side, Liverpool. They were missing Henderson, weren't they? They were. Well, oddly, it's a bizarre thing to say that the Milner and Henderson, the two least flamboyant players, I think are the players Henderson that Liverpool is missed. one of the most yeah. underrated players in the Premier League. I wouldn't disagree with you, um, except for the fact it's you. Well, it can't be I underrated if both of you think he's really good. <laughs> well, I think that's two of us out of millions that's half of people. Of the pod. Yeah, both really I also well, think he's really good, so that takes us to three. Yeah. I'm not sure no. things are. <laughs> there we go. It's not like expected goals. I don't think under. No. level of underratedness is based on how many people on the FYP three people pod. from a Palace podcast yeah anyway I wouldn't um, say he's great he's just enthusiastic well, he, that's, <laughs> a, that's enough for me that's enough um, same as in a relationship really isn't it? it's yeah. fine can I put this question <laughs> to you JD's got his professional bio <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, it works. It actually works. Plays well with others. The Jordan Henderson of the comedy yeah. circuit. Slightly, slightly vague, not quite sure what he does, but it seems to be effective. P- people seem to like it for some reason. Yes, so. yeah, he's all right. Spot <laughs> um, from the bloke behind you at Palace on Saturday. Yeah, that's very weird. Um, Charlie, ba- Charlie Dots Bailey with Hi, two Charlie. Y's. Hi, Charlie. Says, Where's um, the two Y's? Where do you think they are? Well, it's Charlie Bailey. It could be anywhere. It could be the end of the Bailey. It could be the end of the Charlie. It's at the end of the Bailey. Why are we talking about this? Um, he says, to, Jesus, this pod is really, it's gone on for about 20 minutes too long. Um, it's because we're all flighty after beating Brighton 1 0. Uh, well, okay, fair enough. Um, he says, Do you think that after two wins and convincing ones at that, that, yeah. that, that wasn't the question, yeah. um, that Milivojevic will get back in the lineup against Watford? I would bring him back for this game. Oh, okay. Just given how physical they are. But I don't think we will because uh, Roy can sometimes be a creature of habit and he is certainly not one for changing a winning team. Well, I wouldn't he thought. might have to because James McCarthy is... He's going to have to change a winning team. <laughs> so he's going to have to now make a decision. And so Luke is coming back. So I'm glad I've not, now done not, a 180. Not Jairo? I don't think McCarthy's or McArthur are short of physicality. There's a bit of... No, but James McCarthy is injured. Oh, is he definitely out there? Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'd, I'd bring Luca back on the sole yeah. basis that we're due a pen. Yeah. Oh, that's a good shout. Yeah, that's a good shout. Zaha. I think if, if so, would you, would you go Luca or Gyro? Given, I, I know what I would do, but I, I think I know what Rory would do as well. I think in the circumstances, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if the one change he did make was McCarthy for Luca anyway. If McCarthy was because I just think he will try and defend a little bit deeper against Watford than he did against Newcastle. But you would yeah. go Gyro. I would, yeah. If McCarthy was, yeah, I just think that's the more positive attacking option, but and I just think he gives you more energy and enthusiasm in the the middle of midfield. And I just think I think Luke is a brilliant, brilliant midfielder, but he's a proper defensive mid. You know, he's 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 perfect in that twenty yards in front of the the centre back. I mean, the centre backs would probably rather Luke started, but at home and in terms of trying to force the issue, I'd, I would rather start with. Jairus, I thought Jairus did really well when he came on and also proved his versatility. Yeah. And also, again, kind of makes you think, where the bloody hell was he for the whole of 
Yeah. Well, he's getting his chance now, and as you yeah. said, he was actually very good at the weekend yeah. in the second half. I actually, I think it might be gyro, but we'll, but we'll find out um, in a couple of days' time. And well, after I think, that, so you think even if McCarthy's fit, Andy, you think you'll go for Luca? No, I, th- I think. If, sorry to, but no, I think if McCarthy's fit, I think I McCarthy think, plays. Yeah, I think if if he's able to pick the same he team, will, yeah. he will. I think if he isn't, I think Luca will be brought back, subject to Luca being fit enough, just because he's he is more physical than gyro. Okay. Well, there we go. That's the end of the pod. We will find out who plays in a few days' time, and after that, there will be a post-match pod available to patrons at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Um, but it just remains to say thank you for joining us. Andy, good to have you back. It's good to be back. <laughs> Is this a start of a regular... Well, you finally paid my outstanding fees <laughs> for all of those legal disputes. <laughs> That's not true. Where did you find £17,500? Uh... <laughs> thank you, patrons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, that's the trip to Australia, isn't it? Yeah, um, but Freddie's got some lovely clothes out of it. Jesse, thanks for being on the pod. Thanks for all mine. And Kevin, the pleasure. Oh, we going to say hello. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, live it Right. Thank you very much for listening. But we're in a studio. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll be back uh, next week. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.